to wonder. Welcome to the Money Better Podcast, brought to you by Union Bank and Trust in Lincoln, Nebraska. Get ready for an authentic conversation about how to do money better by making financial decisions that are right for you. Money doesn't have to be a scary topic anymore. Instead, let's get real about the lessons others have learned, then find ways to use those experiences to get it right. I'm your host, Caitlin Moore. Let's chat. Welcome to our retirement episode of season two. It's that time of year again. We are coming up on open enrollment for a lot of companies, and it's also a great time to reassess your retirement planning. So this week we are focusing in on the ins and outs of retirement planning, and we're joined by Garrett Sutton, retirement educator at UBT, to answer several questions about retirement. We're going to go super basic today. I do want to say that as we are talking about retirement investments and products, these are not FDIC insured and there's no bank guarantee and they may actually lose value. So Garrett has been at UBT for three years. And fun fact, when I started at UBT, I was a retirement educator. And when I took my current position, he took over my job. So, so Garrett, I'm super excited to have this conversation with you. And thank you so much for being on Money Better today. Yes. Thank you for having me, Caitlin. Appreciate it. Yeah. So I'm super excited to talk to you about this because I think my first love in banking was retirement services simply because of what you currently do as an educator. So can you tell us a little bit about what you do at UBT? Yeah. So as an educator, I go around to various companies and kind of inform individuals, those employees on how their retirement plan works ins and outs of how contributions are made, investment options, uh, and answer any questions they might have, uh, give presentations, and also meet with people one-on-one. Perfect. My favorite part was the one-on-ones. I loved meeting with people. I still do. It's still a perk of my job, just in a different area. I still have a heart for your job, and it's kind of my backup plan if anything were to happen to my current job. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're always welcome back over here. Thanks so much. Okay. So to start our conversation today, I just want to talk about the basic definition of retirement planning. What is it? So when we talk about retirement planning in general, we're just talking about looking at what your needs are going to be in retirement and kind of chipping away at building a balance or putting some money away and then getting that invested so that you can grow that balance towards that end goal of what you're going to need for retirement. Perfect. So it's just planning ahead. What are our needs projected to be and how can we afford it? And that's retirement planning. Perfect. Perfect. So I get a lot of questions still as a financial coach and in the financial literacy department about retirement planning um, and just really the basics of it, because it looks different from every company. Some companies don't even have retirement plans, but we're going to speak in terms of companies that do, but they're, they look so different across the board. What are some differences that you know of, um, or you talk about with companies when you're educating folks about their plan? So like you said, there's a mix of different plans. Companies can really set up their own individual retirement plan that they're going to offer however they would like within the you know legal scope that is provided. Some plans will have a profit sharing contribution that is not based upon how much you're contributing. Other plans are going to have a matching contribution where it'll 
there's a formula that will be used to determine how much the company will contribute or the employer mm -hmm. will contribute uh, based upon how much you are contributing. So few different setups on how companies or employers can make contributions as well as employees. Yeah, perfect. Okay. There are some federal guidelines that make a retirement plan how they are. So how much you can contribute a year is a big one. That's set by federal standards, things like that. So that does that there are a few things that just never change, but there are definitely differences within companies like a matching program, a profit sharing program, things like that. So we're just we're just talking really basic today, but there are just some federal guidelines that go into retirement planning also. The biggest question I get because it is so different is the type of retirement accounts that are out there. And we're talking 401k, 403b, 457, and an IRA. Can you tell us just the basics of what each of those are? So we'll start with 401k. Yeah. So uh, 401k is going to be a company provided or employer sponsored retirement plan. And that's going to be a for-profit company most often. Mm -hmm. So it's just a designation of that retirement plan, again, set up within a legal framework for the way that the company functions. Okay. So your typical 401k retirement savings, it's within a for-profit company. Because on the flip side, let's talk a 403B. What is a yeah. 403B? 403B is going to be more for a nonprofit organization that's offering a retirement plan, um, as well as some government institutions. Okay. Then you also have, say, a 457 plan, which is kind of an extra bucket that you can put money into that's offered within some plans. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe not as common as seeing a 403B or 401K. But all of those are under the umbrella of an employer-sponsored re retirement plan or just a retirement plan offered linked to an employer. Perfect. So all three of those, they are all under the retirement scope, the retirement planning scope. They all offer the same types of options in a sense where you have contributions and you have investments. And But then there's differences like we mentioned, like how you know, when, if the employers involve things like that. So it really, they act the same. It's just whether it's a for-profit or a non-profit. Absolutely. Yeah. Perfect. So what's an IRA? So then an IRA is going to be outside the realm of those employer sponsored retirement mm -hmm. plans. And that's for the most part, it's not the absolute rule, but mm -hmm. an IRA is an individual retirement account or arrangement. Mm -hmm. And so that's going to be your own personal account that you go set up with a financial institution that offers an IRA. It won't have any link to your employer. Mm -hmm. You fund it separately, completely on your own out of your you know, checking or savings account. Mm -hmm. um, you can still contribute in tax advantaged ways, okay. kind of pre-tax or post-tax, but that's your own account that again, has no link to the employer. Okay. So if your employer does not have a retirement plan, you can still plan for retirement just through your bank. If they offer an IRA. Absolutely. So yep. It's still an option to plan for retirement and you can have both too. You can have a company retirement plan, like a 401k or 403b, and then still utilize an IRA. Yes. And they just have different contribution limits, mm -hmm. but uh, those contribution limits don't impact each other, you know, sure. in the IRA world and then the employer retirement plan world. Mm -hmm. So really okay. doesn't come into play other than just what their own individual limit is. 
Okay, perfect. So then there's another question that I get a lot. And as an educator, I had to educate on this a lot. It's an awesome question about Roth versus traditional or pre-tax traditional and pre-tax being the same thing, but two different names for it. So can you give us the rundown? And then I'm going to have some follow-up questions for sure. Um, that I get a lot about Roth and traditional. Yeah. So, uh, Roth and traditional or pre-tax contribution, the big difference is going to be in how it's taxed. So with a traditional pre-tax contribution, your contributions are going into the plan before you pay income tax on them. Okay. So your taxable income for a year is reduced by whatever amount you've contributed to that uh, traditional 401k. Okay. But because we didn't pay taxes on that money as we were contributing it, that does mean that we'll pay taxes, income tax on that money when we take a distribution, ideally in retirement. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's going to include the money we've contributed and any earnings that have been generated from the investments that mm -hmm. we hold in that retirement plan. Uh, all of that will be considered taxable income when you take a distribution with the Roth contributions, that's going to be post-tax contributions. So your taxable income for the year as you're making contributions won't change at all. That money goes in on a post-tax basis. Okay. But because we've already paid taxes on that money as we were contributing it, then we get the reward uh, for making that sacrifice early on. Our reward is that we get to take out the contributions and the earnings that were generated from the investments. All of that can come out tax-free mm -hmm. as long as it's a qualified distribution, which means that you've had money in that account for five years and are over age 59 and a half. Can you give us an example? Because this is a really confusing conversation to have with a lot of people until you know, until you really get it. It's, it's easier to kind of see the number. So can you give us an example, like a dollar amount example to explain traditional versus Roth? Yeah. So regarding take-home pay, if you make $10,000 in a given year and you contribute 10% of that on a pre-tax traditional basis, then your taxable income will re be reduced by $1,000, which is 10% of 10,000. Mm -hmm. um, so your taxable income for that given year with a pre-tax contribution would be $9,000. Okay. So that's what would be considered when it came time to file your taxes for the year. So one but of the I perks, one of the perks of that then is if you are looking to lower your taxable income for the year, um, say you're at like a new tax bracket threshold, contributing pre-tax lowers that for you. So there is a perk on that end right away. There's a tax advantage on that end. Absolutely. Taking that tax advantage up front versus mm -hmm. kind of on the back end with those Roth contributions, mm -hmm. because that $10,000, that same income, if we were to consider a 10% Roth contribution, that would uh, still be a $1,000 contribution for that year. Mm -hmm. But the taxable income that that individual would file their taxes with would be $10,000. It would be the full income that mm -hmm. they earned. All of it would be taxed that year. And then what's the perk of that though? The Roth part. We're paying taxes now on the money. What's the perk later? <laughs> yeah. So we make that sacrifice up front so that come time to take distributions, we don't have to pay taxes in retirement again when we're taking that money out. Mm -hmm. And that's 
really important when it comes to some of the earnings that are generated mm -hmm. from holding the investments that you hold within your retirement plan. So those mm -hmm. earnings, being able to take that proportion out tax-free can really have a, a substantial impact on our end balance. Yeah. With that $1,000, we've invested it and we're going to get to investments, but we've invested it. And let's say in retirement, it's worth $2,000 now. We don't have to pay taxes on that thousand because we already did. And we also don't have to pay any taxes on that thousand it earned. It's all tax-free money at that point. That, but yep. only in retirement. Yes. Okay. So really pre-tax versus Roth is really when do you want your tax advantage? And when you're younger, what is encouraged? Often you would see a younger investor may try to make Roth contributions mm -hmm. if their budget allows few different reasons for that. One, the tax rate that could potentially increase going forward, whether that's through just increased tax rates at large or personal bracket increases mm -hmm. as they make more money. Mm -hmm. uh, getting those taxes out of the way now at a lower rate makes more sense than waiting to sure. pay at a higher rate. Uh, but another factor, the, the compound earnings that can be generated or just long-term earnings in an account, the longer mm -hmm. time period that you're able to hold on to your investments before you need that money, the more or the higher the chance that a, a good significant chunk of your account balance will be made up of earnings. So mm -hmm. not having to pay taxes on that really can make your money last uh, quite a bit longer in retirement. Yeah. So you said a keyword that I want to define, which is compound interest or compound earnings. That's another word for it. Can you explain what that is? In general, when we talk about compound earnings or interest, it's the idea that earnings build upon themselves. So and when you say earnings, you mean like interest. So you've invested money, you're receiving interest off of these investments. So that's, that's the word, the compound interest or compound earnings. It's money you're making off of your money. Right, exactly. And it's the money that we make for holding the investments that we do. Mm -hmm. So whatever our investment portfolio or however we decide to invest our money will produce an overall kind of rate of return or mm -hmm. interest rate or earnings. And then after you know, putting money in and having that build for a little bit of time, you have this new balance of money that includes the money you've contributed, but also the money that's been earned over that short amount of time. And so compound earnings is then considering that this new balance that you have five years down the road or whatever it is, mm -hmm. um, then that is kind of your new balance that you're working from to generate more earnings going forward. Mm -hmm. So if you had a 10% return on $1,000 in your account, then you're now sitting at $1,100 in your account. So mm -hmm. $1,100. And then going forward, every 10% that you earn, or I guess the next 10% that mm -hmm. you earn, would generate $110. So then you're sitting after another interest period at not just an extra $100, but uh, you're sitting at an extra uh, 110 on top of that 1100. Mm -hmm. So you would be at 1,210. Yeah. So investments 
pay out interest in, in certain increments, certain amount of time, every investment is a little bit different. So it's the idea that when we receive that interest or that earned money, those earned dollars, we're throwing it back in our pool, our retirement pool of money. And then that's invested back in, into the market. So we're kind of the idea of earning interest upon interest upon interest. We're just throwing our earnings back into our pool so that we can earn a little bit more. Yes. And every time that you kind of throw your earnings back in, it's almost like another contribution of that money. Mm -hmm. So it's an extra contribution that your investments are making on your behalf. Perfect. Okay. So let's talk investments as we just go down this line of, of all the pieces of the puzzle here, we have investments in our retirement account. Sure. So companies that we work with uh, most often provide a list of investments that you can select from. And that list typically includes a money market fund, a list of bond funds and some stock funds as well. So mm-hmm. mixing and matching those variety of funds, you can create your own portfolio. Mm-hmm. And we also will see kind of a hands-off option in a lot of funds, more of an autopilot that'll do that for you. Perfect. So what is a money market account and what is a bond Money market is going to be similar to cash. Uh, It's going to be the most conservative investment option that you would likely have in your retirement plan designed to just preserve the balance that's already in there. Might return around 1% a year, potentially depends on kind of what the given year is. Um, And then a bond is where you loan money to a company instead of Uh, buying portions of the company, which is what a stock would be. Mm -hmm. And so bonds are going to be more aggressive than a money market account, but less aggressive than a stock fund or stock account. Okay. And bonds typically have a almost set interest rate that you're going to get in return. Yes. And that fixed interest or fixed uh, rate of return usually is a it's not necessarily set in stone. It's mm-hmm. a shorter term fixed rate of interest. So that can fluctuate based on various economic factors or conditions. But it's it's not aggressive. It's a pretty conservative option, um, but it still brings in a significant more than a money market account because your money market is more like a savings account and you have bonds, which is still, you're getting a fixed rate back but then your stock market is where it's time to shine. Like it, it'll show its true colors depending on what the market looks like every single day. Right. Absolutely. And looking at the stock market every day in terms of retirement planning can not, uh, not always be the best, but mm-hmm. paying attention to it sure is fantastic. Really though, keeping in mind your investment objective. So in retirement planning, that is accumulating money for retirement income. So Mm -hmm. your investment objective here is long-term. So short-term, you know, you're not as concerned if you have a long time until retirement, you're not as concerned as what, with what the market's doing in that short term. So Mm -hmm. that often we'll see younger investors be a little more aggressive, but as you get closer to retirement, maybe look at, you know, protecting some of that money or going a little more conservative, getting ready Mm -hmm. to take distributions in retirement. You don't want the stock market to take a big hit right as you're about to retire, depleting that balance. 
So having a mix of that, you know, is really where your risk tolerance comes in. Or as you've told me in the past, what can you stomach? What would you do if, you know, 20% of what you've invested is gone? Or if 5% of it's gone, what, what kind of investment objective are you wanting out of this account? Yeah. And that's called risk tolerance. What can you stomach? Are you going to be pretty conservative or safe? Or are you going to be aggressive and risky? What can you, what can you tolerate? And I, I always like to tell people, especially young people, because young people are more aggressive or risky because we've got a longer time to be investing. I would tell them if you don't want to see your balance fluctuate, just don't look at your account because the market is going to be volatile. So it's going to show our ups and downs. That's what volatility means. It's just a measure of how high is it going and how low is it going and how fast it's doing that in between. And so I used to just say, if you don't, if you can't handle it, just don't look because it's going to happen. It's, it's going to happen in the market. So, and just because your balance has gone down, doesn't mean you've lost money. It just means that your shares aren't worth what they are. So we gotta, we gotta wait till it, for it to pick back up again. Yeah. You, uh, you really only care what the market's doing when you're about to sell. (laughs) And so (laughs) for younger investors, you don't care what the market's necessarily doing now. You almost want it to drop so you can buy low Mm -hmm. And then come retirement time, you care what the market's doing 30 years from now. That's really when you would care. And along the way, there's some shifts, you know, in your investment portfolio that can help smooth out the ride. But Mm -hmm. really, it's it's what's the market doing in the long run. Right. Some quick questions um, that I get a lot. If you're at company A and you move to company B, can you take your retirement plan with you? Yeah, most of the time, yes. As long as your new company, one, offers a retirement mm-hmm. plan, and two, that retirement plan accepts rollovers. Okay. So if your company didn't accept rollovers, you have other options um, of rolling it into that individual retirement account that you could open up. Sure. So it's not stuck with the company? No, nope. Yeah. So to kind of sum up this idea of retirement planning, Um, If your company offers one and you can contribute, there's going to be different, I I call them specs involved, different rules involved in doing that, whether you get a match or profit sharing, um, things like that. But if you don't, if you're not offered a retirement plan, there's options to do that through a bank, through an IRA or a Roth IRA. There's still options to plan for retirement at any point in time. So if you are part of a company that offers a retirement savings plan, and you have an educator that you can talk to like Garrett, that is the best person to talk to when it comes to retirement planning at the beginning stages. Really understand what your retirement account does for you, what is offered through your company, what the options are. Really, really dive into that and ask questions. So if there is someone to contact that you can talk to about your retirement planning, I would highly suggest doing so because for Garrett and his team, it's what they do. That's what they do is they're here to educate you on your plan. Shifting out of retirement plan. I want people to get to know you, Garrett, because I think you're a cool guy. I want to ask you some rapid fire questions if you have time to do so. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So I have my little, it's a three minute timer here. We almost always go over. So don't worry about that. (laughs) So I, when I flip it over, we'll start. So I'm just going to ask you some questions and just give me the first thing that comes to mind. All right. Let's do it. All right. What is a money moment that you are proud of? I 
throughout college would save all of the change that I came across and put it into a big container. Nice. Build it up by the end of college. And that kind of started my savings account afterwards. Oh, wow. How much did you have? There was a lot of change. (laughs) Are we talking hundreds or thousands? It was like 1500. Oh my gosh. I lived with nine other guys and they were not fans of change. So it was pretty easy to collect from them as well. So they funded your savings. Yes. That's awesome. It worked out pretty well. Yeah, absolutely. What is the dumbest or silliest thing you have ever bought? I bought an expensive watch when I was in, I think, eighth grade or seventh grade, probably wore it three or four times mm. and never again. It was, yeah, <laughs> the, the wor- most worthless purchase that I've, I've ever made, I would say. Fair, fair. Everybody has an answer to that question. So you're not alone. Um, what's the best piece of advice you have received about money? Starting early, um, mm. which isn't always an option, but um, starting whenever you can really makes a huge difference. And mm-hmm. then avoiding recurring expenses or limiting them when possible. So mm. subscriptions, um, not overextending on car payments, home payments, rent, things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, because once that money is coming out of your paycheck, essentially on a consistent basis, it's that's built in and that's happening. Yeah, absolutely. We're done with our clock already, but we're going to keep going. If I gave you a million dollars to spend in 24 hours, how would you spend it? For the personal use portion, I would probably buy some sports memorabilia. Uh, pretty nostalgic for the 90s okay. and thousands. But um, other than that, probably try to find some ways to donate it. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe selfishly find some ways to donate it that I would be able to experience some of the positive outcomes of that. Um, So kind of try to pump as much money as I could into the community. Nice. Good answer. What's your favorite smell? Bacon right now (laughs) in this moment, it's bacon. (laughs) I don't know if I'm hungry or if I'm just craving bacon, but that's what I want to be smelling. Nice bacon candle. (laughs) So I always give the guests an opportunity to ask me a question that they would want to know about me or that they think the listener would want to know about me. So do you have a question? Yeah, I've got a lot of questions, but um, yeah. What's a, what would you say is the moment that you are most proud of um, Mm. or kind of ignited your passion for educating? Mm. So I started my education journey, like teaching or training when I was in social services, I used to train foster parents for their, their license to foster. So it was like an 11 week class. And I did this a lot, several times, but I remember the first class that I took on. Um, I remember going home after that three hour class every Monday night and just feeling a high, almost like just this euphoria of like, that was awesome. I love that. I love what I did. And I I remember just over the years that I was doing this, every class that I taught, I would have to go home. It would be late at night and I would have to watch something really mindless on TV to get my brain to calm down. And I would, I mean, every single class I would have to do that, but it just came this point where I was like, there's something about how I feel after I teach that just makes me feel so alive. And, 
um, it has carried over into when I was in retirement services. And then now when I do it with financial literacy, um, I just love it so much. It just makes me feel on top of the world to the point where I have to do something mindless to calm down from it. So I think that was realizing that and realizing that that feeling was a good feeling and it was a passionate feeling, um, was that, that carryover of, of this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Absolutely. Yeah. That was a good question. That was a fantastic response. Well, thank you so much, Garrett, for being on Money Better today. I just appreciate um, what you do and the educators do over there in retirement plan services. I loved working there. I still do. Like I said, it's kind of my fallback. If anything happened to my, my current job, I love it over there. And I'm not just saying that it kind of, it, it was the shift that brought me to the bank. And I just, I just adore the people over there in that, in that department. So thank you for everything that you do and the way that you educate too. Well, thank you for having me and thank you for uh, kind of getting this podcast out there. In each Money Better episode, we highlight a community partner that is doing money better. Whether it is a nonprofit, a customer, or an expert in the field, our goal is to learn from their strengths and introduce you to resources that can help you do money better too. Featuring these people and organizations through our podcast is just a small part of UBT's larger mission to elevate the communities we serve. Welcome to the community partner segment of Money Better Today. We have Kurt Roan with us today. He leads the creative team in the marketing department at UBT, and he's been planning for retirement since he was 18. And I would say he's definitely someone we can learn from. So thank you, Kurt, for being on Money Better Today. Yeah, I'm excited to do it. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about what you do and who you are? Uh, Sure. I joined UBT a little over 17 years ago. It's just one of those things where our marketing department just kept growing and into this awesome team that we have now. And I'm just a lucky, lucky to be a part of it. Yeah. Well, we're glad that you're here. It's been lovely working with you. <laughs> Thank you. So you are the retirement planner expertise at this point. And just talking to you prior to this podcast, you were kind of thrown into it, but in a good way. Can you tell us a little bit about when you started and maybe why you started at such a young age? Yeah, so I was kind of tricked into it, and I'm, I'm really glad about that. So it was my 18th birthday, literally, and my dad had been working with this uh, financial advisor investment guy, and he helped my dad, and he actually helped my dad help his mom. So, you know, if you okay. help grandma and you help dad, I'm going to go ahead and trust you kind of a thing, okay. and so I felt good about it, but he showed up at our house on my 18th birthday, which I think was actually a Sunday. And he said, Hey, I'm really glad that you invited me over today to get started saving for your retirement. I was like, well, I did. Uh, Really good at sales at that point. Yeah. Right. (laughs) And he said, you know, we'll just get you started something small. You know, I was working either fast food or I was about to start a temp job um, at a factory that summer. And so um, not making a ton of money. And I told him that I said, look, I don't have much. And he says, that's cool. We'll just get you started, swing by the office and sign the papers. And, and that was that. So I did, mm-hmm. it was maybe one of the best things I've ever done. I think I started literally putting in five bucks every two weeks, you know, okay. I would get paid. So back in my day, Caitlin, I was making maybe, <laughs> maybe five bucks an hour. 
So you put an hour's worth of wage into your retirement account every two weeks. Basically. Yeah. Okay. Started. Yep. And a little goes a long way. As we talked about with Garrett in our earlier segment, a little goes a long way. So starting out with $5 here and there can really add up over time. And you are a good example of that. So how old are you now? I'm 46. 46. And when do you plan on retiring? Best case scenario would be seven years. Um, so very likely will be eight or nine. Okay. So we're talking like 55. Hopefully 53, but yep. Hopefully 53. Okay. That's really soon. That's like typically not the number that we throw around, even in retirement services, working with companies, it's usually 65 because of social security. And lately statistics have shown that people are staying employed until closer to 70, um, usually to max out their social security benefits, but you're taking a leap of, of really soon. So how are you doing this? Tell us why you plan on retiring early. Yeah. So back at that time, um, same guy told me, Hey, whenever you get a raise, whether it's 20 cents an hour, which was pretty typical for me, Mm -hmm. um, for, I don't know, the first, however many years of my career, um, you know, I wasn't making much. And, but he said, if you, every time you get a raise proportionally increase your retirement. So if you get a 20 cents an hour, maybe that's a 5% raise increase your retirement savings by 5%. If 5% little, of what it was, not 5% yes. of your paycheck, but 5% of what you were putting in. Right. 5% okay. of what it was. So if you were putting away $20 a paycheck, now maybe you could do 21. Okay. And it sounds so small and it is small, but it did end up making a huge difference over time. So that was the biggest thing for me was when you get a raise, basically pay yourself forward. Okay. Um, that was huge. And then as I got into UBT, we we're fortunate enough to get bonuses. Mm-hmm. Um, so those bonuses would go right back into retirement savings as well. So are you talking bonus or profit sharing? Yes. Okay. So both. Anything above and beyond salary was going into savings. I want to talk about the strategy behind that because we did talk about it a little bit with Garrett, but you're a really good example oh. of this idea of you have this wage and maybe you get a bonus. Maybe you don't, maybe you get profit sharing at your company. Maybe you don't. And so living below your means or living within your wage is good budgeting, positive budgeting, which I'm a fan of. So you're saying if you get a bonus, if you happen to get it, throw it into your retirement account. I w- yeah, exactly. I would put it into savings and basically pretend that it was never income. Mm-hmm. It would just be for my future self. Sure. So, so many people rely on bonuses, especially if a company like UBT is consistent about that. doesn't mean we always get it, but we can. There's a lot of companies that say we'll give you incentives, but maybe you don't get it, especially on a year like 2020 um, or profit sharing and profit sharing isn't always promised, but maybe it's a part of the deal. But you're saying if you just avoid planning on that money in your budget, but throw it into retirement savings, that could really bump up your Exactly. It was always just gravy to me. So even before I got to UBT, if I was fortunate enough to, to get a bonus or whatever it might be, a spot bonus, even mm-hmm. I would just pretend I never got it. And I, I always made sure I could live on what I was earning as a salary. Yeah. And that's, that's the wisest way to budget is to do that. Yeah. And at times it really sucked. Like my mm-hmm. friends were going out and buying cool cars and, Mm -hmm. you know, the types of things that I wasn't doing. And 
there were times when I was, I felt left out or I felt like I should really be doing that too. I need to enjoy life more. I need to do this more. And for whatever reason, I just held off and just said, you know what, I'll be patient about this. Um, It'll pay off, you know, down the road. Okay. So that is also contrary to kind of our American society. We went bigger, better now we use bonuses, we use tax incentives, we use things like that to get things that maybe we can't afford because of our salary. So what is it that motivated you? Was there any motivator that said, this is a really good idea, especially being young and social influence on the new cars and things as you're, as you're talking. So what was your motivator behind being okay with missing out? Yeah, there was a very specific moment in time. And it was when I was up for my first like annual review with this investment person. And I went to the office and I think I was, you know, 19, 19 and a half years old. And I was sitting there waiting for him to finish up with the prior appointment. Mm-hmm. And that person leaves and I'm just about to go into his office and somebody showed up who had an immediate need. I need to see you now kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Clearly this person had a lot more money than I did. Okay. And I told him, I said, Steve, fine. See this other customer. I can wait. Mm-hmm. Now it's no big deal. And he says, absolutely not. You are next. And I said, yeah, but I'm small potatoes. It's fine. Mm-hmm. And he actually turned red. And so he told this other person, I'll call you as soon as we're done and we'll handle this. And then he yeah. takes me into his office and he says, okay, what are you saving? You know, okay, five, $5 here, $20 here, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And he gets out his calculator and then he starts drawing on the whiteboard. Okay, well, you know what that's going to look like at a 7% rate of return and we'll do this and then compound mm-hmm. earnings and all these terms that I have really was not familiar with. And he turns around his calculator and he shows it to me and he's like, and it was, I remember the number was $898,000 and something. Mm-hmm. And he goes, now you tell me you're small potatoes. <laughs> well, That's like, awesome. I'm going to have $900,000. And I was like, whoa. And that always stuck with me is yeah. if I don't overextend myself, mm-hmm. I can get to the number that was on his calculator. And yeah. it's not like I went totally without. I just always lived just a threshold under my paycheck from the time I was really 16 up until now. That's awesome. And UBT for the listener has some really great calculators on our website. If you go to ubt.com and then drop down education, go to retirement. We have one of those 401k calculators that can project at a very, I would suggest a very conservative rate of return, but can project based off your monthly income and how much you're contributing to your retirement account, how much you'll have. And it's a really fun calculator. I used to use it with, um, with clients that I would meet with one-on-one and go, this is your projected total when you retire. And like you're saying, just to keep your eye on the prize, the long-term prize can be a huge motivator because with compound interest, it makes a huge difference. So did you, did your parents plan for retirement? Um, yes, but okay. almost inadvertently. This also goes back to a story with my dad. Okay. Um, when he first started at the company he was at, I think it was 1964. Um, he was making right around, I think he started right around a dollar an hour. So it was like a dollar, dollar a quarter, something like that. Oh my gosh. And so he's in human resources, you know, doing his starting paperwork and whatever. And whoever was in human resources asked him, okay, so do you want to participate in this, whatever the program was that basically mm-hmm. you bought stock back into the company? Okay. And so he said, I don't know. Do you think I should? And 
just kind of left it at that. Like, I don't know, I, I'm here to work and get a paycheck and provide for a family. Um, Hey, my mom, they started a family very young. And so that's all he was thinking about. Well, she went ahead and checked the box and 37 years later, he retired at the age of 57. Nice. And he never made a lot of money. We didn't, we didn't have a lot. We always had what we needed. We didn't go without, but he and my mom lived within their means as well. And I guess my sister and I probably just watched that our whole lives mm-hmm. and just figured that's, that's just what you do. Yeah. And so we talked about it as a family, you know, I mean, when it was time for back to school, like right now, did I get the fancy jeans? No. Did I get the plain label jeans? No, it was always something in the middle of the road. You know, it was always, it was always fine. We were, we were good. Mm-hmm. And that just set a foundation for me of like, okay, that's what I want to be like. Mm-hmm. So nice. I just stayed with that. Do you and your wife have retirement plans? Yes. So she participates in the retirement plan at her office. It's a small office downtown. And then I participate in the 401k at UBT. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have a bunch of investments accounts on the side where we're saving X. So you get sure. a bonus, it goes into this fund. You get some other stuff, it goes into this mm-hmm. fund. And so we're try- we've got all these different buckets to try and catch the right things at the right time right. and diversify. Yeah. Perfect. Is she around your age? Will you guys retire at the same time? So we're trying to time it so that we can retire at the same time. Although she's a little older. Okay. So are you guys going to travel? What are you going to do? Yeah. That is the big thing we really want to do. And, and, and that's the other thing too, as, as you look at, look back and you say, okay, we always lived within our means. Mm-hmm. Well, as we look forward, we also want to retire within our means. Sure. So the vision is not a mansion on a lake or something like that. It's probably here, mm-hmm. but use this as home base and travel as much as we can mm-hmm. afford to travel. You yeah. know, and, and if things are going well and like the market's good and our numbers are good and people say, our advisor says, go ahead and travel more, then we'll do that. If nice. they say, you know, you should really cut back. Well, then we'll do that too. So what's your ultimate retirement dream? If you're, if you retire at 53, that's young, you got a lot of time. So what, what are you going to do when you're not traveling? So if that actually happens, um, and it will, uh, probably a hobby business of some kind, I could see that, um, just doing a little bit of work for fun kind of a thing. Um, definitely some volunteerism. Mm -hmm. Um, there's some groups locally that, that I'm passionate about that I would love to help out more. And, um, just time to actually enjoy and do a lot of the things that I skipped a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Do you have any encouragement for young people, people approaching retirement, maybe people getting new jobs because we're transitioning in our job market right now of how to approach retirement, no matter what age. Yeah, for sure. And I think I feel the strongest about the younger investors and the people who are starting out my wife and I were talking about this like last weekend and it is amazing how long it takes to save like your first $50,000. Mm. It takes forever. And you just feel like you're never going to get there. Mm-hmm. And is this worth it? Is all the time and effort I'm pouring into this savings really going to pay off? And then the next 50,000 happened a little quicker. Mm. And then all of a sudden it's like, there's this other person that's working with you, contributing to your household income, because finally all that stuff 
is rolling compound interest and yeah. it's earning more money on itself. And it is, it's like having a third person in the household working for you. So my, my biggest point is just to start and hang in there and stay with it. It, it stinks at first, but it really does pay off well down the road. Yeah. I'm like you with the young people. If people just start young, they don't know any different. If you can plan your lifestyle before you get married and have kids and meet all these milestones in life, if you're just budgeting around your salary and, and adding to your retirement, you don't know what the difference. So the sooner, the better on that, but it's never too late. Something in your retirement account is better than nothing. So no matter what age you are, just start, start with five bucks a week, start, just start with something because it's better than not having anything. Yeah. That's my favorite phrase. Just Mm -hmm. start doing something is going to be way better than doing nothing. Yeah, exactly. Well, before we close out, Kurt, I want to do some rapid fire questions with you. So I do have my little timer here, my three minute timer. So we will do what we can in the three minutes. First question, what money moment are you proud of? Uh, I would say in 30 years, I own four cars. I bought them inexpensively. Mm. They're inexpensive to insure and they get good gas mileage. I am just now on my fifth car, but my wife totaled my fourth car. So it would have been four. Oh, she's fine. She was not hurt. Good. I should say that. Yeah, good. she's good. So again, <laughs> living below your means. That's, yeah. that's pretty amazing. What's the dumbest or silliest thing that you have ever bought? Uh, the first engagement ring. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I shouldn't have said that. Um, it was a like retro video game system during COVID. And I thought, oh, this will be so cool. Relive some youth games and all that stuff. And it got here and it's like, oh, this isn't that cool. So fortunately it didn't work right. So I sent it back, but it was dumb. If I give you a million dollars to spend in 24 hours, what would you do with it? So I mentioned the car thing. I would splurge on a car. Like I would go buy a super cool sports car. I'm thinking like Audi R8, something like that. Um, then I would need, I would need, yeah, a log home or cabin, um, like on a creek just outside of Whitefish, Montana. So it doesn't have to be fancy. It's all about okay. the location. Like it can okay. be simple, but I love that area so much. And then I would book a trip for my wife and I to travel Europe. And I guess the rest would probably go to some charities that we really like. Nice. What's your favorite smell? It would be the autumn air on the coast of Maine. So you've got the trees that are changing colors, that fresh smell, the humidity is gone, and you've got the ocean right there. That combination for me is just amazing. Bucket list for me to go to Maine, for sure. Same. That was for us too. Yeah. And lastly, what is a weird fact about you? Uh, So... In 1986, I believe it was, the Space Shuttle Challenger, it exploded, right? Mm-hmm. I was, so 10-11 came to our elementary school. I was in fifth or sixth grade, mm-hmm. and they interviewed me, and they put it on the air, and they spelled my name K-I-R-T instead of C-U-R-T, and then they edited it weird. It looked funny, and so instead of being this really cool moment, I just got made fun of so bad for the longest time after that. It was bad. Also in the weird fact thing, Mm -hmm. Tom Osborne uh, ran into me with his shopping cart at a grocery store. We were both going for ice cream and I guess he wanted it worse than I did. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. 
All right, Kurt. Well, this has been fun. Very informative. Congrats on your retirement planning. I'm a little jealous. Thank you so much for being on Money Better today and sharing your story with us. Hey, it's been fun. Thank you so much for having me. Union Bank and Trust financial literacy materials, articles, guides, blogs, podcasts, and videos are for informational purposes only and not an advertisement for product or service. The accuracy and completeness is not guaranteed and does not constitute legal or tax advice. Please consult with your own tax, legal, and financial advisors. Member FDIC.